This is Japan Baseball Weekly, the only English podcast covering all 12 NPB teams. And now, your hosts, John E. Gibson and Jim Allen. Hi, and welcome to the Japan Baseball Weekly Podcast. It's for the week of June 21st. I'm John Gibson, and with me late on a Sunday night is my buddy, Jim Allen. What's happening, buddy? How are you? I'm doing well, man. How you doing? Oh, a little sleepy, a little tired, and uh, yeah, a lot frustrated, but I'm all right. <laughs> I'm all right. Well, happy Father's Day to you. Thank you. Same to you, bud. Okay, well, I appreciate that. Yeah, it was a it was a busy day, typical busy day at, at at the office, but with the NBA playoffs and the hockey playoffs and Major League Baseball's time bleeding into Japanese baseball's early one o'clock starts, it was just a busy day, hectic, hectic as heck, and uh, and uh, started off with a good workout at the gym. So I- I'm ready to take on the podcast here. <laughs> I'm feeling good. <laughs> I'm right, exhausted. Have well, at it, man. <laughs> I am exhausted, but hey, uh, mask up and hunker down, people. We got to do that because we got the Olympics coming. And again, another note about the Pacific League YouTube channel: the more you watch, the more you get. So please watch, but we need you to subscribe first. So stop what you're doing if you can, please, and subscribe and watch the videos and leave some comments because uh, they are watching the comments. And the more we, the more you ask for more, the more you will get. I hope. So uh, do that, please. Do that, please, now. If you can. On this week's show, we've got a chat with Zach Neal of Cebu. We're going to discuss Justin Smoke unplugging his season, the Central League posting just its second winning record in any league play since that began. And we're going to look at a whole bunch more and answer some high heat. So let's start swinging. Clearing the bases. All right. So uh, May 14th, um, I sat down with Zach Neal of the Sabre Lions, friend of the show, uh, friend period. uh, He's arguably the Lions most consistent starting pitcher. He just hasn't been able to get on the mound because of various things, including him not being able to travel, first of all, to Japan because of the travel restrictions. And then he got here and had to quarantine. So he couldn't really pitch against my batters and then he got in for a couple of starts i think it was before there was a covid situation with the carp and he had to go in quarantine again and now he's back on and i'm he's he has been amazingly consistent all things considered uh with his not being able to be out there consistently <laughs> so consistently inconsistently consistent that's trouble <laughs> and uh but I, you know, I I watch him throw, and it seems like he's he's got good shape to his pitches. He's hitting most of the spots he wants to, even when he maybe doesn't execute a pitch exactly the way he wants to. He's still able to get some outs. He wasn't able to get the win today. He threw today very nicely against the Marines, but uh, the score ended up three three tie after nine innings. So he didn't get a decision, which he went out losing. So I guess that was that was good for him in this case, but. And I do want to say something. So I did work on this story. Zach was uh, one of the one of the um, catalysts for me getting to do this story that came out on Tuesday. And Jim said he didn't get a chance to read it, but fifteen hundred words just about how these players are struggling and what they're going through in the struggle of not being able to play, uh, not being able to be with their families while they're playing here. And it's just another hurdle 
uh, you know, my story was basically bringing light to the fact that there there's a struggle. I wasn't trying to say that the players are um, doing anything except what they're doing, which is they go to work and they go home and there's a lot of isolation. And so that's, that's mm. all I wanted to bring to light that it's not, not only is it, it's playing baseball, which is very hard to do anyway, but it's, there's another hurdle out there. So Zach, like I said, was one of the catalysts in me doing this story. So uh, if you guys get a chance to read it, I know it was on the internet. It was off. It was on. It, if you're a premium Japan news reader, you can get in there and read it. But who knows what's going on? I do not know, but uh, hopefully it'll be out there for a while. And, and I'm not sure if you saw, but today uh, Jason Coscrey, our buddy, tweeted a video that was sent out that uh, that the Lions did for their foreign players. And it just had some uh, really nice, touching moments from family members who said hello. Uh, some of the teammates who said, we know you're going through a tough time. You know, we're here for you. And uh, yeah, it was a it was a tear jerking video for sure, and really nice tribute to their import players and showing the love there. So that was really nice. So anyway, um, I did talk to Zach. He was the first uh, interview in for me doing the story, and that, like I said, it was back on the 14th of May. And Zach alerted me in April that you know he he, he has his baby girl uh, Braylon and his wife Kiana, and they just. You know, he talks to him on the phone and that's just about it. And, you know, I started to hear more and more about this plight, about the players. And like I said, I went in and I did some interviews. I did uh, Reed Garrett. I talked to Leonis Martin. I uh, talked to some other guys, tried to get some other guys involved. And you'll hear some some raw emotion from Zach when he talks about not being able to, to be with his family right now, but that he knows he's being the provider and that, you know, this is just part of it. But you know, they, the players are trying to get some special permission to get some of the family members over. We'll see how that goes. I'm, I'm, I'm just not sure that that can happen, but we'll talk about it after the interview. Uh, it's a very emotional interview. Uh, it's kind of powerful. It's one of the most powerful interviews I have done, certainly that I've done on tape, certainly for this show. So be prepared to be moved, but uh, we will talk to you on the other side. So let's hear from Zach Neal. Now, this is uh, year two in the pandemic baseball world for you in Japan. Uh, yeah. how, how, how is this year going <laughs> in terms of that? Uh, it's, it's probably, it's, I mean, it, it seems to be getting a little bit better. I thought it was at least. And then, you know, we show up and, you know, some, you know, some stadiums don't have fans again. And it kind of feels like deja vu from the first year. It feels like there hasn't been much progress really um but this this year for me is especially different you know not having my family here um having the new baby at home so it's definitely different in that regard you know uh last year i at least had my wife um so we could you know kind of endure it together um so it's been it's been difficult you know i I talked to my agent about this the other day you know coming off of 2019 you know it was the best experience of my life yeah, I was going to ask you about that. I was going to ask, how much do you remember about the first year in Sabre? Well, well, you know, and, that, and that's the Japan that I do remember. And that's the, the MPB that I remember and the fans that I remember. And, you know, the last two years has, has been a different a different place, a different uh, experience. And, you know, now especially, you know, my family can't come see me. My parents can't come. You know, the wife and baby are at home and friends can't come. 
so you know the, in 2019 it felt it felt like home almost you know and you know now it, it, you know it's it's much more difficult from a from a uh, personal standpoint you know the baseball is the same kind of I mean the fans can't cheer and they can't do but you know it's still baseball and you know I'm um, I'm just I've been so grateful to be here you know it's been one of the, the biggest blessings in my life but the last two years have definitely been different and I think to no no one's fault no one's fault but you know that it, it is what it is and it's just the times are different and the experience has changed. Well, last year you had the the startup, the build up to the season, then the halt, then another startup and another build up. How much of a sense do you feel when you're throwing to some guys and you know that they're there seems like their swings are in really good form and you're not struggling just to hit your spot, but you're there's some th- some thoughts about you know really can I hit my spot here? Can I get the pitch? Because usually when I'm in form, yeah, I can right. hit that spot. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely different, you know. Uh, I think this time of the season, usually I would be able... Well, I mean, I can't really... I don't really think about how, like, if they're in better form than me. You know, I just try to I just try to do... To execute to the best of my ability, and, you know, hopefully it works out, you know. But I do know that these guys are in better shape, you know, hitting-wise, with, you know, comparatively speaking to me. <laughs> But, you know, I try not to think about that too much. Just, you know, really focus on me and kind of take them out of the equation, really. Okay. Um, All right. So now let's get into this big topic that uh, you and I have spoke about in the past. And you recently had uh, a young baby girl and Braylon is her name. So uh, what's it like being the family provider, but not actually being there in person to help take care and go through the daily routines? Oh, it's tough, you know, and I, uh, you know, knowing that I'm the provider, knowing that I am helping, uh, does help, know that what I'm doing is helping them, uh, but it's been tough just being away, um, the time is really tough, <laughs> you know, 14 hours behind us is really like, the hardest part right now because it's even talking to them is difficult because when I'm at practice in the morning or during the day they're you know in the morning really is the, is the best time to talk and they're going to sleep and then when I'm going to sleep they're waking up so you know even talking to them is a, is a challenge and uh, we have to like you know set out time to do that we try to get on like a good routine uh, talking to each other but you know it's uh, it's definitely definitely hard you know you I realize that I am providing, but to not have them here and like to watch her grow up. Post-war, a lot of men and a lot of families were separated because men came to, they went where the jobs were and they separated from their families and they worked really hard and they sent money home and they were kind of uh, absentee parents, so to speak. So, yeah. um, so that it's, it's not such a big deal, but that's, you know, we're talking more than 50 years ago now. It's a different world and it was a different reason. Those guys weren't doing it in a pandemic and the circumstances were different. So what, what is the hardest aspect of being separated? I mean, forced, I mean, a lot, some players have come here in the past and they've left their families at home right? and they've come here, but that was a choice. 
So what? Yeah. So what I is think, the I, hardest part? Yeah, I think that's. I think that would be the hardest part. Is you know we don't have. I don't have a choice currently, and I don't have any sort of timeline to know. You know, okay, I'll get to see you. I don't know when I'll see you. You know, and that's the hardest part. Is I don't have a timeline. I don't have any idea. Um, and it's not just me. I mean, it's everybody here. I mean, every American feels the same way. Um, but, you know, I, I found that on the field is okay. It's just all the other time. That's the hard part. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so then without giving names, what are some of the stories you've heard about some of the foreign players who are alone here in Japan? Because I'm, I'm assuming there are other guys like you who have young children, new babies. Yeah. I know for for certain that Mike Gerber of the Dragons is one of those guys with a brand new baby and had to okay. leave and, and come over here. So what are the, some of the stories you've heard without naming names? Oh, well, you know, currently there's only... I think there's only three guys total in the whole league who have their families here. So you could do the, the quick math on that and realize that almost all of us here don't have families. You know, so all of us are kind of in the same boat. Uh, but, you know, some guys haven't seen their kids and for, you know, the better part of their life. <laughs> the kids, because, yeah, the children's lives, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think a lot of us are in the same situation that we are, you know, just trying to get by. It's best for me, like, it's hard to even think about. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, I can see it on your face. I can see it in your eyes. And, and, it, and for me, you know, I was there. I was waking up at night and doing diaper stuff and getting up in the mornings and doing all the other stuff. And. I know that I wouldn't. I wouldn't trade that for anything. So I, I, I can feel the emotion and I can see it. So I, I appreciate that. What do you want to tell people who, um, you know, think that just because you're making a lot of money or you're out there performing and and hopefully doing well in front of you know the few yeah. people who are there, um, but that's something that you've always done. So what do you want to tell people about the fact that you're separated from the families and that it's it's still a tough journey? Take your time. Yeah, you got it, man. You got it. Take your time. I'm with you. It's hard, like, separating, you know. I realize how fortunate I am, like, to play baseball. But, like, as a person, like, we have... We have feelings too, and as like a human, like it's hard. Like I realize I'm the luckiest dude, man. Like to play in Japan and like travel, and it's awesome. Like I love it. But like the separation of that is tough. Because that's not my biggest blessing. Like, they're my biggest blessing. It's like, wrapping your mind around that is hard. But I know it's potentially temporary, but, like, it's, as you can tell, it's, uh, 
it's hard watching them grow up on like your phone all right dude all right let's talk about some happier stiff stuff and some uh, all right man i just not at all not at all man i know this is i this is emotional for me um just to for me i go i go to work and like when we started sending the twins to school i was like worried about them all day and i knew i was gonna see them in about eight hours so yeah so that's just the hard part is i i can't really do anything besides provide you know and like i said it's it's awesome i love it here and like and i hate that it separates that you know what i mean like i hate i hate that you know that has to be the way it is but like for right now and for i don't know how much longer that's just what it is so like that's that's the hard part emotionally and it, it wears on you yeah, I, I think a lot of people think about the impact of the pandemic in personal terms. A lot of times we don't yeah. think about the impact on the outside or we, we a lot of it is how does it impact us? How how can we get our groceries? Um, how can we get on trains? How do we spend time with uh, people around us? How do we spend time with our coworkers? It doesn't matter what line of work you're in, even baseball players. I mean, you guys are used to gathering, having camaraderie, discussing things off the field, out of the high pressure situations. It's just the whole dynamics of everything have changed. So it's, it's yeah, yeah. I, I feel you, man. I, it's emotional for everybody. Yeah. Sure. Now, I know the leagues and the teams really can't do anything about it per se but what what if if you could suggest something what would you suggest to the league or the teams in terms of what they could do to help players i think we have to you know stick together as, as you know we're all in the same kind of situation uh, you know but i think in the grand scheme of things uh you know we're over here for a long period of time and i'm not we're not asking for like my, my my grandparents to come over. I'm not asking for my uncles and cousins. Just you know, like I think if you did everybody in the league whose family's not here, you might be talking about 60, 65 people. So, in in a number standpoint, that's really not that many people. Now I realize that you know that might seem like special special permission or you know we're given given special circumstance but you know that's it is what it is really like and we're over here you know i'm trying to do my best for my team i'm trying to do my best for my family and so you know from a from a player standpoint uh, when when that that unit is together it's always better you know you know and i think that I speak for all the Americans when I when I say that, you know, it's hard being a pro athlete here, especially, you know, there's a lot of pressure. When you're doing it alone, it's, it's a lot harder, you know, it's a lot, a lot more difficult. Um, but, and, you know, in the current situation, it kind of is what it is. And, you know, we've accepted that. I know that, you know, I'm a man about that. So... Now, the Lions, I'm assuming, because everybody knows the situations and everything, that they're, they've set up some kind of support system for you guys as well. 
Uh, what are they doing to help support you when you guys are not playing and when you guys are not at the field? Well, the Lions have done a good job. You know, I think every every team's doing what they can, um, and I think everyone realizes what you know, kind of what we're going through. Maybe I'm not sure. I mean, I think the team especially knows. You know, we've been persistent. You know, uh, asking you know questions about what can we do. You know, we talk with we talk with our local embassies in the states, our local consulate. Uh, you know, pretty regularly to try to see if, if they have new news. Um, so the lines have been really helpful, you know, and they uh, they've showed empathy. You know, they've been very gracious. Um, so, you know, I think I'm just been thankful for that. You know. I got you, man. Well, you got me all emotional. I don't know how to get back to the office and start watching basketball and baseball and stuff. But <laughs> Sorry, man. It's a sensitive topic. Oh, no. I, I appreciate it, man. I, you know, I, I, just like you, I got to go back and, you know, lay out the pages and get some work done. <laughs> yeah, so, I know. I haven't had a, a interview like this in a long time, but it's good. I just hope people appreciate uh, the whole process because it's you know getting guys out or getting hits is just part of life it's not it's not all life and you know it's it's you know I played sports I know how important it is and how you want to perform for yourself you want to perform for your teammates you want to perform for your coaches you want to do well for the people who take the time out of their lives to come and watch especially yep. if they're paying money um, yes. th if you start to think about all the pressures and all the things, it's not as easy as you sitting on your couch saying, dude, you need to swing. That's a, you know, that's the pitch is right over the middle. I mean, it's not, it, there's just more to it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's always, you know, I always say it's, it's always easy to, you know, to think one way and then you can, to really, to really try to gain a perspective, you know, you got to put the other, you got to put that person's shoes on your feet. All right, so this was uh, this was truly emotional for me, and as I said in the interview, uh, I, when we did this interview in the middle of the day when I was at the office, I had to go back and lay out pages and write headlines and go back to work, and that was really really difficult. But I wrote this story; it was the longest story that I've written for the paper uh, since a, since something you might remember, which was a two part piece about the Japan Basketball League and a possible merger with the new league that had formed back then called the BJ League, and uh, that was a two-parter, so that was the longest one, but this one was the second longest one I had done, and yeah, I, I like I said, just wanted to point out that the players are going through extra stress, but I, I don't think, you know, you listen to this any this interview, and, and I don't think it's easy to listen to for people who just thought flippantly about the fact that these guys get getting paid a lot of money. Blah blah blah. But anyway, uh, what did uh, what, what impacted you from this interview, Jim? Well, obviously, it struck a nerve, and I can tell now. I don't have kids, and so I can only all I can do is sympathize. Mm. And I'll, you know, I remember when you know this year we had uh, Brent. Brandon Dixon of the Oryx Buffaloes declined to come to Japan because he didn't want to be without, without his family for a second straight year. Correct. And I thought it was kind of lousy for the Buffaloes to sort of make that public. Like it's his business and you know, it's, but I 
I have mixed feelings about the whole thing. I had I I felt bad about it for his sake because it's sort of like making him out to be the bad guy. And I think that didn't need to be done. I think the I think the orcs buffaloes could have handled it better and I was thinking about that, but I said something to Adam Jones the other day. He was talking about another issue, which he often harps about, which and which he talked about on our show last year, which was it's hard to understand what young ball players are going through because they're expected to be um, mature men when they're twenty years old. Mm-hmm. You know, they're put in positions where they have to make decisions that. 30 and 40 year olds are often struggling with for the first time. Right. So I said, I I think I said rule number 12 for human beings is don't assume, you know, more about what's best for another human being. Mm. And I think that goes here. I just can't as much as I would like to understand I cannot. I can just have to trust what you and, and Zach and and the rest of you people are you know go through when you know when you feel uh, pain for your family. Mm-hmm. So that was very uh, raw, and I'm I was very happy. Uh, <laughs> I'm not happy he's in pain. I'm not happy that uh, people have to go through that. But I was happy that that word got out. I thought that was uh, that was good news. That was good uh, news work on your part. Um, okay. I mean, I, again, uh, I, I don't want to say Zach asked me to write the story, but he definitely alerted me to it. But I had already been sensitive to it from the time sure. that Leonis Martin sent out that tweet and I understood it. I understood exactly how he felt when he sent, when Martin sent out that tweet. So um, I just, I I don't, I don't know. You you say good for me. I I just did some interviews. I I don't know. But, but it's, it's not something you needed to do. Okay. But I mean, you chose to do and you did well. So, you know, more, more power to you. Okay. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, I, you know, I was thinking about what to say after we always talk about the interview after, you know, we try to break it down or find, you know, what I like to do is find little backdoor sliders or little nuggets in there. And I, I don't think I need to say anything about this interview. I think Zach said it all. And it was difficult, uh, like I said, for me to get back to work. But let's be clear, it's really not the fault of the teams. It's not the fault of the league. The government really can't do anything because I don't think the players are I mean, it might sound like some of them are whining that they are looking for some special treatment or asking for special treatment no, or permission in some sense of it. I mean, it, because it kind of is like a sense of privilege in that they 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 want something that other people can't get. And I think, you know, so I mentioned this on Twitter the other day as well when someone commented. I said, look, it's really the same for all workers who are here uh, without their families. It's not just the baseball players. And I don't think the government can say, well, okay, we'll make an exception for the baseball players. And then all mm. the other workers are going to, are going to say the right. same thing that, that we've got, we're in the same right. boat. So, so, uh, you know, it's anybody could really make a salient point about and have a valid case about their families being here. So uh, well, I just don't think. I, 
Yeah, again, it's there's I think there is blame to be had, but I'm not certain where it should go. But have you know there's a couple of ways we can look at it. And I when I was thinking about Oryx, and I may have mentioned this last week. Uh, with Brandon Dixon, or I may have mentioned it during the week about Brandon Dixon, that at least Nick Martinez was under the impression his family was coming. Mm-hmm. And I want to know, you know, who gave him that idea? Right. <laughs> you know, I, 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 you know, it's like, is it partially perhaps wish, you know, was how much of that was wishful thinking? How much of that was, being his being misled or somebody exaggerating because there are a lot of, first of all, every team, you know, NPB doesn't organize how imported players are brought into Japan. There's no set procedure. Which is why we probably ran into this trouble because I was Which saying is, that right. NPB did not have a uniform set of rules and guidelines for each team. So there, it was kind of random how teams handled the situation. Correct. And that's why we ended up with some teams having some players here and other right. teams not. And also I because the different regional offices and the immigra- different regional immigration offices are very different. It's like the rules that apply in Chiba don't necessarily apply in Osaka. Right. They're going to do it. They have license to do it different ways. So that happens. And you had different COVID spread situations and and breakout situations. To me, the big question is this. I, I don't think it's a problem that the players got in. I don't think it's a problem that they were asked to go through all these procedures. But the way they got in, the ex the I, I want to use a really nasty pejorative term, but the makeshift screwball way in which uh, soccer and baseball players and coaches were allowed into the country was Two people sitting around a table and saying, you know, the government saying, well, the NPB and and J-League are getting angry and they're being annoying about not being able to get their non-resident players into Japan. What can we do? And they, you know, they said, I know, let's call them emergency workers. Yeah. Let's treat them like, 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 uh, medical specialists in the time of a natural disaster. (laughs) But this natural disaster, surprisingly enough, is going to be called the Tokyo Olympics. Because (laughs) if we... It's a natural man-made disaster. It is indeed. (laughs) And if we say they're here for the Olympics, we can do anything. And that was how they got in. They got in because the players like Zach Neal and players like Tali Soto were allowed into Japan under special circumstances because they were contributing to Japan's Olympic effort. Now you chew on that. Okay. So that's the kind of, that's how NPB and the J league got their players in. They got this, uh, I'm going to say asinine okay. explanation instead of a, like a, 
this is an economic explanation or this is a rational explanation. We'll, we'll make something up and we'll blame it on the Olympics because we're blaming, we're turning the country inside out because of the Olympics. So, you know, why not? But they couldn't, you know, they couldn't say, well, the because that was the solution. They couldn't then say that their families are emergency workers. Right. What they well, should have said, yeah. you know, I mean, they should have done something reasonable, but instead they've, the, gov- the Japanese government has become so accustomed to doing, saying, hey, if we say it has to do with the Olympics, we can get away with anything. Right. And I, I did have a, an anonymous source, a, another player who said, look, when the country wants to do something, it does it. Sure. And there's no questions asked. And it's, and it's OK because it's the country uh, it's leadership that's doing it. So that's it's, it gets done. <laughs> right. So but, yeah, this maybe the method wasn't that great. But again, the science and everything that goes involved is involved with everything. The mechanism that got them in probably wasn't the best, but they were going to get in. Let's, 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 they were going to get in. So uh, Japan wanted its, the sports, I I should, I shouldn't say entertainment, but needed something. Yeah, I'm sure I can. I'm sure, I'm sure I can. But this had nothing, this had absolutely zero to do with the Olympics because the argument was, Imported players and coaches will raise the level of NPB and the J-League and make Japan's Olympic team in men's soccer and baseball more competitive. Right, yeah. Exactly, right. Exactly. No, that's called... In a roundabout way, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's called... (laughs) You know, if they could have passed a law that says we're going to give everybody in the diet... uh, 50 million yen cash because it'll look good and it's for the Olympics. <laughs> Line up and cash your checks, baby. <laughs> yeah. That's such a 70s statement. Come on now. It's a direct okay. deposit. <laughs> Sorry. That's yeah, all right. I, I cashed my check. <laughs> just, you know, just write your bank Thanks, account Joe. number information. Just put it in this tablet here and we'll, we'll drop it in by tomorrow. Anyway, we could talk about this forever. I, I just, I, 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 I will. Was, yeah, I, well, you can do that tomorrow. Um, but yeah, it's such a raw, such a emotional interview from Zach. So we appreciate it. And I was thinking that we probably could have done this uh, uh, 10 years ago and had an interview where a guy was real emotional, but the fact that we were able to do it during the COVID era, that so to speak, I think it allowed Zach to show us his emotions. So I really appreciated that because you really want to, I wrote in the story, you know, you, you rarely see tears like this in sports. It's because uh, we don't get to see it's them. Japanese high school baseball. No, it's no, because we don't get to see these kind. these are, that's different. Those are competitive tears. Okay. This has nothing to do with competition okay. and we don't okay. get to see those tears. Right. Those tears yeah. are kids competing to see who can cry the most. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, uh, okay. I apologize for the jaded. I was competing for the most jaded comment on tonight's uh, podcast. No, it was, that was a very emotional reaction. (laughs) That's my, that's the word I made up this week. Oh, okay. Well, (laughs) and it's so appropriate because it's for young people. So yeah, emotional. (laughs) All right. What emoji you were thinking about when you said it, but I've got one in mind. 
Yeah, it was the one you flush. <laughs> you have got the ESP emoji. <laughs> All right. Let's make a seamless transition and talk about Justin Smoke. So there were smoke signals along oh, the way. Good one. Smoke signals. I missed that. <laughs> okay. I'm saying smoke and mirrors. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, there were smoke, smoke signals along the way, but uh, he, he did say this week that he was basically going to – uh, go back home because of this situation that we are talking about and that Zach pointed out and so eloquently described in his uh, interview here and that the COVID situation has uh, forced to, Justin's family to stay behind. So he said, look, uh, you know, I enjoy playing baseball with the Yomiri Giants and yeah, this is what I came here to do, but but this situation is more than I bargained for and I I don't like the isolation and it's too stressful. I need to go back home and be with my mm. family. And so he's effectively getting his release and he's out. Yeah. And, uh, and his was... wife posted a video of him coming home with the kids meeting him at the door. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't I wasn't sure when that video was from. And I was trying to figure it out because um, we were hoping to get an interview with Justin. But uh, and maybe we still can this this week. Uh, hopefully I can get in touch with him. But uh, yeah, I did see that video and the kids, you know, saying daddy and uh, it was a really special thing. So it just goes to show you how deep this thing is and, and what I. I, first, the reason I called it smoke signals, one, because I thought uh, I, I had heard something about it before it actually happened. And then I get the feeling that he's just number one who's actually going to get on the plane and go home. Right. There might be more. I wouldn't be surprised if there are more yeah. who just I say, think, you know what, this is too, too stressful. You know, it is a stressful, it's a stressful job being, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, playing baseball is great, but when playing baseball means, you know, having your name reported in the paper for, you know, or or Jim's stupid blog when you give three 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 runs in the ninth inning. Oh, you're talking about Jim Allen's stupid blog. Yes, <laughs> and some other Jim. <laughs> no, 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 mine. Uh, but you know, if that happens, I'll put your name there because it happened, and I don't mean ill will because I know you guys are, you know, you losing you know if you were afraid to lose you wouldn't be there mm -hmm. so uh it's all done in the public eye and as as uh, zach said that support that having having your family around is a big help you know it's a huge rock you know it's a huge anchor for these guys and i it made me think of how much how hard it was for all the players back in the day when bringing your family wasn't part of the deal. Uh, you really got to get a copy of my story somehow and read it because all this stuff is in there about uh, mm. about these things. But, yeah, you are correct, 100 percent. And I, I just I just like I said, think about the other players who are borderline and thank Thank goodness most of the guys are playing well, but there are players out there who are either on the farm who are struggling and struggling yep. to adjust or guys who are maybe not having the kind of seasons they uh, were looking forward to or expecting. And um, if things don't go right and the team's not doing well, I, I don't see what would keep them here. I really I'll don't. Say, yeah, and I, I'll, I'll tell you, I had one interview basically rejected for mental health reasons. So I, I think people are struggling and I don't mean that as a, as a negative. I just, it's just a real life 
Right. Yeah. It's it's a different world. You know, we if we would have said these things in the seventies or eighties, people would have laughed and and said, You'll never be in sports again, get out of here, you're too weak. And even ten years ago, but it's just a different world right now. And then the COVID situation worldwide has just, you know, <laughs> turned people's stress level to turn up the screws on it. It's just mm. over the top. So I, I wouldn't be surprised. So we'll, we'll see. We okay. will keep an eye on this as we go along. But thank you again. I, I really appreciate that. Yeah. And thank you to Zach. And uh, hopefully mm. we can, we can hopefully make something happen with Justin smoke. So uh, let's keep our fingers crossed there. Yeah. Uh, making a four seam transition interleague play officially ended this past week as well and congratulations to the carp for winning one of their final three games and giving the cl its second overall victory in interleague play against the pacific league and the final standings were 49 wins for the central league 48 losses 11 ties and the other time again was 2009 when the central league won the overall uh number against the uh Pacific League, and look, it was a it was a five three win over Zach's Sabu Lions on Tuesday night. That was the clincher, and an eighth inning two run opposite field shot from somebody named Koki Ugusa, his second homer in uh, what fifty abs I think he had. So uh, you know, one of those. It was, it was, if you remember something about Zach, you, you remember uh, Kenji Akashi he took him deep one day and. Uh, he looked up the numbers on Akashi. He said, this guy had, you know, two home runs or three home runs and X hundreds of a bats. How could he get me, you know? And and I think it was one of those situations here with Ugusa hitting a home run. And it just looked like he ran into a pitch. And like I said, he hit it opposite field. And it was a weird swing. And it went right down the line. And But anyway, it was good for the Central League, good for the Carp. And they celebrated on the field after that game because they knew, even though they were <laughs> – their record was awful in interleague play. They had clinched it for the Central League, and they were happy about it. And, yep, and I was as, happy too. And as predicted, the Central League did uh, finish second in runs scored for the fifteenth time in sixteen interleague seasons. My goodness, four seventy-five. <laughs> they the Pacific League scored four seventy-five. The Central League scored scored four forty-three. So you go strong, Central League. Yeah, take it there. And Yoshinobu Yamamoto of Oryx was named the MVP. We did talk about that last week, but he hadn't been named yet. So he, officially, he won three games in Interleague. And the Buffaloes, after winning Interleague, they're still on a winning streak. They won their eighth straight today. So they're just, I mean, they're now tied for first place with the Rock 10 Eagles. And I saw so much stuff on Twitter. It was really fun. Igoru, a guy who, uh, a listener who often sends us questions or comments, he was saying, and, you know, he was excited. And uh, I think Jason tweeted out something or retweeted someone's uh, tweet about the, the Oryx Buffalo, you know, look who's in first place. And then, then the, the guy's face is all shocked. So he sent out a gift there. It's really funny. People are having fun. And, you know, I, I really like the fact that the Buffaloes are winning because we've talked about their talent and their their potential and and we're seeing it and they just have to keep it up. I I, I mean there's they're making fewer mistakes, they're winning uh more of these close games, they're looking much better, and it it's a better watch for sure than it has been. And I have to tell you, Hiroya 
Miyagi, the uh, the rookie who pitched today, won his seventh game. He's leading. He's tied for the league lead and wins with two others with seven wins now. And he just looks good. And he threw eight shutout innings today against the Eagles. And they just look like they can compete. And I'm just I'm glad about that. Of course, SoftBank looks awful. And that's what it looks like when a team that has been good for a while starts to lose. You get a lot of older players with injuries. You get younger guys who come up and actually don't produce and you get mediocre results. And I don't say, I'm not saying that their results are mediocre per se, but they're just not the same. They're just not looking the same. And once they're, I I do predict that once their regulars come back, that they're going to look different, but that doesn't guarantee that they're going to win games. Well, Uh, and the regulars, the guys coming back, well, uh, y- Yuito Mori is a quality pitcher. We don't know what's up with his arm. Mm. And Yuris Vilgracial, when he comes back, and Alfredo de España, when he comes back. These guys are not young guys. Mm. So right they- now, Vladimir Valentin is DHing, and he's doing, you know, he's hitting a home run every other game or so. He's not getting on base a lot. So he, it's not, it's not, a, it's not a good upbeat backstory to that no and and they're really struggling i mean they, this weekend series with the fighters they they tied twice and they just <laughs> they they just had trouble scoring and then when they scored uh on saturday they you know they had to come back and and tie and and they lost the opener on friday just not being able to score runs so they didn't win a game in the series uh two ties and a loss and yeah, they, that's against the fighters. The tie, yeah. yeah, and the one-one tie was a case of being outpitched, but being you know uh, having more luck. Yeah, they only had two hits today, so yeah, yeah, uh, two hits and four walks, and they were giving away a lot more. Yeah, they were giving yeah, that, away, but they just weren't allowing the runs, and so. Uh, but this is what it looks like, and I that that's why I guess I I, I didn't figure in or factor in injuries but i I just kind of assumed their guys wouldn't be there because they haven't been they a lot of their top players despite and graciel have been injured these past seasons as well they just always seem to come back in time to beat the heck out of the the play the playoff teams and then the central league in the japan series and they win so as long as they're in the playoffs they're going to be dangerous but that's why i picked a different team to win the Pacific League title this season because I kind of expected. Yeah, I yeah I predicted a slide, but I didn't ex- expect it to be quite as steep. I thought they still had enough gas in the tank, but uh, Tsuyoshi Wada's on a week to every other week. He's every other week. He's okay. He's pretty good. You know, he's pretty good. He's okay. He's terrible. Yeah, he's well, okay, I'm not he's terrible. He's pretty good. So it's yeah. been, he's been. Rem- uh, Last year, we saw an uptick in his velocity, which was really nice to see. And this year, we're still seeing that, but it's like the pitches aren't moving. His his location is not where it needs to be. And when his location is not where it needs to be, um, he doesn't yeah, he need didn't to be, he doesn't hard need enough, to be yeah. on your first team. Yeah, but, he didn't throw hard enough to, to get around that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm with you. Well, I, I mean, I'm not writing them off for sure right now, and I'm not going to say it's a, it's a 
heavy slot. I'm just thinking that the rest of the league is catching up. And so when they're catching up, you don't win as many games. Plus, you get this nine inning rule where there's a bunch of ties where they are really good at winning close games. Well, yeah, they, they have a deep been, team, right? But they don't they're have an opportunity, team. right? Yeah, right. So all that that bench stuff is okay. Let's use you as a ninth inning pinch runner, so we don't lose the game. Instead of we'll use you know we'll use you so we can win the game in the tenth. Yeah. Yeah, it's just different. It's just different. So, True. But I'm not writing them off. I, I, yeah. All right, making a two-seam transition. Uh, we talked about our top candidates for Rookie of the Year last week. How about we talk about our top candidates for MVP this week? So uh, let's start in the Pacific League. That's, to me, that's the hardest assignment, especially with yep. the Buffaloes emerging like they are. So uh, one idea or one notion is to try to predict what the Japanese press will do and then the other one is to pick the real MVP. So <laughs> the people's choice. <laughs> uh, I, I had a real tough time, but I decided uh, Leonis Martin of the Lotte Marines has been the most consistent. He's been consistent with power and RBIs, but he also is a good defensive player and he has really been good running the bases. And I know you're watching more games, so you probably have seen him I have seen. score some of these runs or advance to yep. an, a base. And he's really been excellent on the base pass. So he's my guy. I yeah. will not disagree with that. Uh, my my Probably my biggest disagreement is I don't think Lotte is going to finish first. But in terms of who's the best player in the Pacific League this year, I wouldn't disagree with, with Lannis Martin. Okay. Uh, I like, who's your guy? Well, <laughs> he would be my guy. He would be my rational choice. Okay. And my irrational Japanese choice would be... <laughs> well, still... Okay, if the Hawks win, it's Yuki and Agita. Okay. And if the Buffaloes win, they don't really have a good MVP candidate, but I would uh, they would pick Masataka Yoshida, who's uh, you know as good as good as anybody. He would he's one of the better hitters every year, like sure. uh, Yanagita. And if the Eagles win, it's going to be hold your nose. Because you mm. know they're going to pick somebody who really isn't an M. They just because the Eagles are, if they're going to win, it's because they've got six or seven guys who are playing pretty darn well, but nobody who's playing real well. I so, agree and I disagree. I, I okay. think, I think, if I read the media right, and I'm thinking if this player is around, he's going to produce in a big moment, and that's Daichi Suzuki. And he's probably not going to yeah. have a bunch of great numbers, yeah, but he'll have enough. Have, yeah, well, I'm he'll have saying, enough to satisfy the Japanese yeah, zest but, or zeal well, for home runs and RBIs. <laughs> I, I would usually what happens when there's no clear choice is they'll pick the pitcher who has the most wins. Right, and that's going to be trouble because it's going to probably be Hayakawa and. They can't pick Probably. a rookie rookie of the year and that. So I think they're really going to. Well, they can. They, they can. won't. They're, they're going to say, no, we can't do that. They're just going to. Look, I, okay. I've been watching these people for a long time, and I, I just I don't think they're going to double up. I, I'm not saying they won't for sure. I just I just don't see okay. it. But okay. Uh, but I I can't. Yeah. Here you I can't see that happening. Yeah. All right. Uh, what about the Central League? You can go first. My MVP right now 
Uh, okay, my MVP right now would be Munitaka Murakami. Munitaka Murakami. Yeah, I, I knew you were going to say that. I, I was saying it as uh, you, I was trying I to time it exactly. I apologize. I apologize <laughs> for being so predictable. Uh, it's okay. I think the the guy who, who's going to win, actually, the guy who should win if they have to pick a tiger, you know, it's not a rule that they have to pick somebody like it is an interleague. Well, it's a rule in their minds. Yeah, I mean, there there was there were better players than Yoshinobu Yamamoto in interleague, but none of them played for the Buffaloes, so they had right. to choose him. Right, yes. the actual rule is he has to be on the winning team. So my choice would be Koji Chikamoto, mm. the leadoff man who's just uh, just a wonderful player, and he's having, I mean, okay, he still goofs sometimes in center field, but he's also... My and on the bases on occasion, but he's also my one of my favorite base runners, and just a just a, a good leadoff, just a wonderful leadoff hitter. And he's the guy who makes that offense go. So that's my my guy. Uh, I would think that they would uh, they would pick Teruaki Sato because he hit three home runs as a rookie, and nobody's done that since Shigeo Nagashima in the Central League. So, you know, uh, three home runs in a game, yeah, in a game, correct. So, uh, the other guys, let's say, if it's the Swallows, it's that guy, and if it's the Giants, I would go with Hayato Sakamoto. Oh, even though you missed all that time. Well, yeah, I mean, you, we're, we're, this is the early, the early. Voting, yeah, still right? half a season to go. Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, actually, my top player was Munetaka Murakami. I don't think it's even close because he's just so productive and he's hitting home runs off of everybody. Every you know, every zone. You, it's hard to not yeah. to, throw, to get the ball up there without rolling it and not having him hit a home run sometimes. Yeah. But my second guy is Tetsuto Yamada, and. Uh, I just love what he's doing all around. Uh, he hasn't sure. stolen the bases that he has in the past, but making up for that, he's, he has played some really stellar defense, in my opinion. Uh, he made a play on Saturday. I'm, I think you didn't see games today, but you did see Saturday where he went deep in the to his no, right. I, I, I was actually listening. That game was going on, and I was listening to it, and I didn't see it in time. Oh, okay. Well, he, it was a fabulous play. And... So he's my number two guy, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised that by the end of the season if he has more home runs and RBIs than Murakami. So, uh, so he's my number two. And again, the Swallows. I was one of the only people, definitely in our Central League prediction show, to have them finishing. You know, not in last place. I had him fifth. I, I had him fourth. Okay, all right. Well, I had him fourth, but I did think they were going to really compete for the third place spot as well, and they just weren't going to be able to pitch well enough to finish in third. But uh, never did in my wildest dreams would I have imagined them competing for second place. So uh, to see them doing well right now, and they're really they're, they're playing. You know, they finished off that series against the Dragons, and they. They pitched really well to down. Now, again, yeah, I was venting to Jim via text message about what's going on in Dragon's World and uh, <laughs> <laughs> with some of the managing. And uh, you probably didn't see the game today. No. Jim? Okay, so uh, they had uh, their number six starter, Akiyoshi Katsuno, out there who was throwing a no-hitter for six innings and, and looking really good. And he gives up a hit in the seventh inning with two outs and... Mm-hmm. 
then they pinch hit Shingo Kawabata. So that's a bad matchup, in my opinion. A real good veteran hitter against a guy who's probably starting to tire because he has been throwing these high-stress pitches for the past you know, three innings, thinking about a no-hitter. And just safe to say, I, I, I don't think I would have left him out there, but they left him out there and he gives up a home run. And that ends up being a difference. And look, they didn't score runs and they had their opportunity to do that. And so that's where you can pin most of the blame. But if you've got a tight game, uh, maybe there's another decision to be made there. I, I, look, I'm not I'm not saying it was the wrong decision. I just if, if I were running the team, I probably would have done something different. But I'm looking at the the Swallows right now, and they are winning these close games, and their bullpen is is better than I think anybody expected. And it's really good to see. I mean, they, well, they, they had a good. The thing with the Swallows is they had a good bullpen last year. The middle relief was pretty good. Yeah, it was young and, guys. Mm-hmm. They showed promise, and then what happened is they got a couple of rookies this year, who had been on the farm. And one of them's coming back. Uh, well, he's a starter, but one of them's coming back from Tommy John surgery. He basically, never pitched because he had Tommy John surgery when he got out of high school. But they've had these guys. We've seen this progression in the same in the same way, although in a kind of a different dimension than we've seen the 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 progression of the Dragons starting pitching snap. Mm-hmm. A, a number of young Swallows pitchers taking, you know, took a step up last year, another group of taking a step up this year to where they're just not as bad. You know, they're not <laughs> as consistently awkward and troublesome as they were last year. Sure, and, they're giving up base so runners, the but they're not giving up runs. Yeah, yeah. And and having more lockdown innings. Okay, okay. Oh, well, okay, well, we gave up three runs. But again, you're seeing with Shingo Takatsu a little more, uh, a lot of flexibility along the lines of, okay, he's still got that a little bit of that. I think it's his old, his, the, the, the Swallows OB network that thinks life revolves around the sacrifice bunt because whenever one of his guys fails to bunt, it's sort of like the headline on the swallow story on Prayaki news that night, the swallows would have won, you know, they lost, they lost 27 to four, but the reason they lost is because they missed a sacrifice bunt in the second inning, you know? So there's those guys. And, but despite that, he's a little more flexible. He's got a little bit more of the, uh, Akihiro Yano, uh, mm-hmm. relaxed. Let's not pressure the the guys. Let's just you know support them and let them do a good job. Right. So. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, and we're supposed to be talking about uh, our candidates for for MVP, and I got Sorry. off track. So no, no, it was I was the one who did that. So I apologize. Okay. But but uh, yeah, you talk about Sato for the Tigers. I think because he's hitting so many home runs, because he's got the sexy n- numbers, he, he's going to be a candidate if the Tigers can uh, hold he on to get this some, lead. He's going to get some MVP votes. Oh yeah, definitely. And uh, if the Giants can make some kind of comeback, and they won today to after dropping the opener of that series, uh, they won the, the last two and uh, they're, they're behind by six games. And I, and I have talked about the Tigers and their struggles in the second half of seasons. And we've got these two breaks. Now we're going to have an all-star break. We're going to have an Olympic break. Except they're, so, they're contiguous. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so uh, it's going to be long. <laughs> and I think that's going to turn things around. Guys, I think I said it earlier this season, a lot of these rookies who normally might hit a wall or might just have fatigue just from uh, playing so much and practicing so much are going to have the opportunity to catch their breath. And well, so, the practicing thing, yeah. I think not so much because yeah, I'll tell you the funniest, one of the funniest things I've ever heard. I was at the, I think it was the, the current union secretary general, Mr. Uh, I want to say Maury. Uh, I asked him about getting rid of the long all-star break. Japan, one of you know one of the reasons they got away with the third All Star game, and they used to have a week long All Star break in Japan. Mm-hmm. The reason they got rid of that was because the All Star players basically said it was too much, and I and it wasn't too much for them. Three games wasn't too much for them. It was too much mandatory practice for their teammates. <laughs> The all-star break is like a chain gang for most of these, for the non-Jap, for the Japanese players. Uh, Exactly. You know, it's like, it's all-star break. Here's your ball and chain. Let's go practice. (laughs) So I'm just wondering what an Olympic break is going to look like. Are they going to issue them striped suits? Yikes. <laughs> Let's hope not. I bet you there's some coaches who are licking their chops and saying, you guys thought spring training was hard. <laughs> yeah. Well, they do have this break. So uh, I think some of the guys, regardless, they won't have all that travel. So that'll take it out. So, But they're probably going to try to play some practice games and all that stuff. We'll, we'll hear about it and we'll report on it when we get the information. But uh, they do have this long break coming up. So, um, yeah, I, I think uh, Sato and I think Kazuma Okamoto of the Giants is going to be up there, uh, of course, because if the Giants can make some kind of a comeback, I think more than Sakamoto, I think Okamoto is leading the way at the moment. But like you said, there's more, a lot more to the season that's going to go on. So um, let's make a one-seam transition <laughs> uh, and talk about Samurai Japan because we're going to be seeing that team at the Olympics and the roster was announced this week and it's it's loaded with some of the young talent, I think even younger than the Seiya Suzuki group that kind of took over after the Hirokazu Ibata gang kind of finished up with national team duty. And so we've got some young players and something stood out to me right away when I looked at the roster. I don't know if it hit you as well, but I looked at the outfielders. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, this is a good hitting group, but it's not a good fielding group. And that kind of concerns me. I don't know why, because, you know, you don't really win and lose games a lot on your outfield play in a tournament. But you could because it's a short tournament. And, they, you know, the last time we saw Japan in the tournament, they were not catching some ball. Of course, it was uh, Hitoki Iwase was giving up some hits here and there. They weren't catching a lot of balls in Beijing. And uh, I think Gigi Sato was one of those guys, as I Good. recall. Good. <laughs> um, so that kind of concerns me. And not only are the, the guys who probably figure to start, like say Seiya Suzuki and, and uh, Yoshida of the Oryx Buffaloes, but the backup guys were not 
some of the best guys. So I, that, it just kind of bothered me. Did you notice anything about the roster that bothered you or, or got you excited? I don't really get too excited by rosters at my age. <laughs> okay. It's sort of like so it sounds like baseball porn or something. But slow down, buddy. Slow down. <laughs> no, no. Um, well, apparently you have slowed I down. I guess I have. Maybe we'll have to see what happens in the climax series or something. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Hi. Oh, clean up on aisle, Jim. <laughs> So, no, the thing that struck me, I mean, I did look at that, and I, as much as I love Masataka Yoshida as a hitter, uh, he's just not a marvelous hitter. And I do think the outfield of Seiya Suzuki and Yuki Nagito and, and Yoshida is fine. Other than they're all left-handed hitters, but there's no problem with having all left-handed hitters. No, Seiya Suzuki's a right-hand. Oh, excuse me, what am I thinking? Uh, you know what I was thinking was Udyori Kurihara. Mm. Because uh, say I forgot that there was a central league player in the outfield. <laughs> because two thirds of the, even though that, despite that, two thirds of the team is from the central league, and this is what caught my attention. Two th- this twenty four guys and sixteen play for central league teams. Mm. And uh, you know because it's well known that the central league is the superior league. Well, it is that this year, baby. <laughs> well, it is indeed. So, but. I'm gonna I'm gonna equate that by thinking, okay, well, if they're better, who's on this team that should be on the team and who isn't, you know, but isn't? And the only name that really jumped out at me was Yuki Matsui, mm. because he chose two guys. Uh, he, well, I could I could say three because he, although he being Atsunori uh, being Atsunori Inaba, Inaba the, the manager. Japan manager. Okay. He chose three relievers, Yuzuru Iwazaki of the Tigers, okay. And he chose Kota Nakagawa, okay. And he chose Yasuaki Yamasaki, jury still out, but maybe okay. I would say not okay, but he, better than yeah. last year, right? Yeah, yeah. results-wise. Uh, yeah, he's but... moving forward. And then left Yuki Matsui off the roster, who's, in my mind, better than any of those guys. Yeah. So I did I did go through an exercise, which of the Central League guys would you drop in favor of somebody from the Pacific League? And it really was no nobody... Ob- I couldn't think of anybody obvious who, you know, wasn't a rookie. Right. So... Anyway, so that was my first thought, but I, I, I don't. I think it's a pretty good team. But my, all I can, all I could think of, in terms of that situation was, must be because sponsors like Central League players, and I, I, I would bet you dollars to donuts that somebody said we have to appease the sponsors. <sighs> I hope not. I really, I hope really too, hope that. But, I, that... but I'll, I'll bet there was because I look at these. I mean, you know, if you if you don't pick Hiroya Miyagi because he's a rookie, but you do pick Joji Kuribayashi because he's a rookie, and you pick Tomoyuki Sagano because he's Tomoyuki Sagano and not because he's actually done anything this year, you know. Mm. It's like the it's like the Pacific the Central League guys are all getting the benefit of the doubt, 
It's yeah. scary. They're going to have nightmares. And and the carp the carp have been really good. The dragons have been really good, and the swallows have been really good in general. But they each have some uniforms that can be you know vomit inducing. And uh, for the carp, I think you mentioned it before we went on mic. The denim uniforms that they wore, I think one time, <laughs> one time, and I don't remember what year that was. It was about 2014, I think. Somewhere in there, somewhere in there, maybe a little bit longer than a little bit farther back. But anyway, um, I have a lot of problems. And I think the, the uniforms right now that I hate the most are those Nippon Ham Fighter gold uniforms. Ugh. I don't, I don't, I, I don't know. I think I, I can't remember them. And I was, the sh- they, they warm today. I well, you didn't see today. The games today. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I was thinking about an MLB analogy for why explaining some of these horrid looking uniforms. And I, I had to think that maybe like there, there is a competition or there, I remember the owners were a little annoyed to find out that the owners at the owners meeting, they have an award for the owner who slashes his budget the most. Uh (laughs) they give them actually actually give them a trophy because that's the purpose of baseball is paying less so (laughs) i have to wonder from seeing some of these uniforms that these teams are not only these teams are not like missing the boat the love boat like like the lote giants (laughs) they are competing to be bad (laughs) <laughs> that there's actually a prize given out for the team that sells that sells the worst uniforms to their fans. Ugh. I mean, certainly, I mean, SoftBank takes the cake. They've had all they they've got multicolored uniforms. Uh, the the baby blue ones are called Victory Blue. They've got green uniforms. I think like, oh, you're just talking about the jerseys, though. Yeah, they, yeah they, whenever right. they wear those, they wear the white, the white sure. pants to go with them. But sure. I think my favorite team with alternate colors is the Eagles, because the, I think most of their most of their uniform, their jersey, alternate jersey choices really rock. Uh, you're talking about the black ones, the black ones, or the navy ones. I guess they're navy; they're not black. Um, with the red lettering, the Tohoku green I liked. No, I wasn't. I don't even remember those to be honest. But no, the, the green all, ones that I don't like are the are the swallows. Yeah, the lime green. Yeah. Lime green. Yeah. I, I like the actually. I don't mind the lime green as much, except when they wear the horizontal Munchkin socks. <laughs> and everybody wears them up, and poor poor Ryasa Hero Gawani wears that. I expect to hear, I expect to hear someone say, "We welcome you to Munch." <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, so the the one thing that bothers me is that when people back home or in the West or in different countries see the highlights from some of the games, if somebody were to do something incredible. It just brings the whole league down mm. in terms of how it's viewed when you have, you know, clown uniforms are. Clown, I like the clown because the orange, the the, the great pumpkin Yomiri <laughs> Giant uniforms really do look like clown uniforms. 
Yeah. In fact, I, I'm surprised they didn't come up with big rubber shoes. <laughs> and a big red nose and fluffy, bushy hair. Yeah. It Good just. <laughs> Complete the look, baby. Maybe they sell them as fan accessories. And they, the, they, uh, probably, they, they should. That's, that's an idea you can bring <laughs> to the front office since they're okay in those things. They're gonna. They won't say no to that. But yeah, the carp I, would do that though. The carp would would sell anything. So I shouldn't probably say this out loud. You probably see it. <laughs> You're right. So yeah, Kevin, I, I just think it, it just brings the whole. Sometimes the, the looks of these teams makes other countries say good grief i'm so glad we don't have to watch that and uh, uh i understand you wanting to run from the room and it, it happens here too but in general it doesn't and if we can just get the fighters get rid of those shiny gold jerseys i, I would be happy with most of the uniforms here except for but the I'll, except I'll for the pumpkin you. ones I'll, I'll give you a disclaimer, and I will tell you that we did not spill this information to New Era before they made those city caps in the States. Those god-awful, ugly MLB caps that they, they I think they stopped selling after about 12 hours. <laughs> the, the, the site that was selling them crashed because the caps were so awful. I didn't see what you're talking about. Oh, you, oh, goodness. Well, you can't see them now because they've taken them off the website. Every 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 team had this this thing that looked like... The base stars have a cap like that, actually. It's got all the players' numbers or something on it. It looks awful. looks like alphabet soup. <laughs> this, well, every team, the teams had like the local zip codes on the hat. And plus, like little ornaments, like the San Francisco Giants, like Golden Gate Bridge on there, and they, you know, some like Coit Tower or something. All these kind of cable cars and stuff, and it just looked off. It looked like a, a second grade art project. <laughs> well, I'm glad I missed it. I'm glad I missed it, and I'm glad you saw horrible. it for me. <laughs> it, it, I, it was horrible, and and I guess it was one of those things that I'm glad died a quick death because if it had gone on any longer some japanese team would have said hey we ought to do that oh no no don't bring that over here don't bring that over here all right well kevin thank you very much for the question we look forward to your next one anyone else who has a question hit us up on twitter at jbw podcast with the hashtag high heats and questions via email to y-a-k-y-u-j-o-h-n at gmail.com or hit us up on the facebook page and leave us a message there. Now, remember, please remember to go to the PL YouTube channel and uh, subscribe, hit like, and send us messages. Leave us messages there. Uh, like I said, the people in charge are watching. Tell them you want more. Tell them you want English content. You want English voiceover on the highlights. Say we you just want, want more content. <laughs> I don't know about that, we but just on. <laughs> or Jim. Uh, but it, it, like I said, the more you ask for, the more we'll be able to get. But we need subscribers first and foremost. So you got to subscribe and you got to watch videos. All right, people. Jim, you got anything coming up? I do not. Blissfully quiet. Okay. <laughs> All right. I like that. Blissfully and a pause quiet. All right. We will talk to you next week. Enjoy your baseball. See you at the ballpark. Follow the hosts on Twitter at JBW Podcast and at J Paul Allen. 
And feel free to submit your questions by email or tweet with hashtag #HighHeat. Thank you for listening to Japan Baseball Weekly.